Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's Believe in Carolina podcast, a look back at the Panthers' 20-13 win over the Washington football team, Panthers news and notes, and a look ahead to Week 17's matchup against the New Orleans Saints. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my esteemed colleague and co-host. He's a 13-year NFL veteran, the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers franchise in 1995, and a two-time Super Bowl winner, cornerback Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty? How have you been? Hey, Desmond. How you doing? I hope all was well with your Christmas and all of the Carolina Panther hopefuls. I know a lot of them would have preferred to have a Christmas gift of maybe going to the playoffs, but that ticket probably is going to have to be held off until 2021. But we're going to keep pounding. You know, and I think we, I think a lot of the fan base feels a little bit better about 2021 after uh, last week uh, going uh, up against the Washington football team. Panthers win 20 to 13 to notch their fifth win of the season. Um, it, it was a, a great defensive uh, showdown there with uh, the Panthers this year. We'll get into that in our biggest takeaways. We'll also give you Panther news going into this week 17 final regular season matchup. At home at Bank of America Stadium, the vault against the uh, the hated New Orleans Saints, a division rival. Uh, the Panthers could actually play spoiler uh, and a number of scenarios here. We'll go through those for you as well. And we'll give you our preview of Panthers versus Saints. It's a 425 kickoff on Fox. The game was flexed to the afternoon. Um, I do like how the NFL does that. The, the, uh, the last two or three weeks of the season, they'll flex games so that you don't have one game at one o'clock that determines a whole division, and then you got a bunch of other games from that division at 4 o'clock that become meaningless uh, to a certain extent in the bigger scheme of things because of the way the schedule was. The NFL manipulates the the times of these kickoffs so that if there's two teams battling for the one seed, they'll play at 4. So Green Bay is playing at, uh, at 4 o'clock on Sunday also um, as New Orleans will be taking on Carolina because both of them are battling for the one seed. So there's a lot of drama going into uh, the last week of the NFL regular season. Uh, a lot of playoff spots and positions up for grabs this year. There's two extra spots, one in the NFC and one in the AFC, a seventh uh, team. So only the one seed gets the bye this year, which makes it even more important, and which is why you're going to see a lot of starters still playing on Sunday. Before we get to our biggest takeaways from the uh, Washington football team versus Carolina Panthers this past Sunday, need to let you guys know about our sponsors over at Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, 
your online sportsbook experts. Carolina Panthers, with their fifth win of the season, takes them to five and ten on the season. Twenty to thirteen was your final. Um, I, I'm going to let you kind of start this off, Todd, because I, I kind of, I think the theme of this game was the defensive play. Uh, we have been kind of harping on them a little bit uh, throughout the season, but it feels like the past couple of weeks the Panthers have hit a switch on defense. And with you being our defensive expert here on the Believe in Panthers podcast, I wanted to uh, lead it off with you. What was some of your uh, bigger takeaways from uh, this Panthers versus? Football. Well, I'm having so much trouble trying to make sure I say the correct name for <laughs> for Washington because it's been ingrained in my head what it used to be for 40 plus years. The Washington Football Team. Um, what, were, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that game on Sunday? Well, I want to say this. I'm going to go back to what you said about the flex schedule. You know, I'm glad to see the NFL to you know they manipulate the schedule uh, because I know as a player uh, if we played at four o'clock and another team played at one o'clock and you know we saw that they lost then the fans which they're pretty much not too many fans in the stands as of now uh with the COVID. but the truth in this other story is we set our starters uh maybe we went and played the first quarter and then that was it uh so it's, it's good to see uh the nfl do that because these locker rooms do have televisions so we're sitting there watching the one o'clock game you know this and, is a, before we even go into the uh the takeaways from the previous game i want to stay here for a second because this is a good uh thing here having a uh, a former nfl professional player on the podcast uh each week to give us that insight so you know I, so, so teams are aware of what other teams are doing before they play. It's not like it's one of those uh, they go out to the media and say, "No, you know, we just got to go and handle our job." That kind of thing. It, it sounds like you're saying players are aware of their situations before and after they take the field. Like they're they're aware of what's going on with that team they're competing against for that one seed or whatever. So these Saints are probably going to be paying attention during the game. Uh, what's going on with the Packers then, right? But see, that's going to be hard because both of them are playing at 425. So, Well, I mean, like the scoreboard and Bank of America, the ring or whatever, they'll have it up there. So I'd imagine they'll keep eyes on on that big scoreboard most of the game, I would think. Yeah, yeah, that will be – that's a true statement. But, again, uh, I don't think – because both of them are playing at 425, I'm pretty sure uh, Sean Payton and, and Matt LaFleur, they're just telling their team, <clears throat> we're going to go out there, we're just going to play. We're going to play uh, – Packer football, we're going to go play Saints football, just as though this game means just as much as any other game, which is true. So um, I think with both of them playing at 425, you're going to get two teams that are really not going to be looking at the scoreboard. They're just going to go out there and maybe at halftime, you know, the team as a whole will try to look at the scoreboard. But I do believe that the Saints and the Packers will have uh, staff that will be alerting, um, you know, the coaching staff, what's going on with the other game, you know, the Packers and the Bears and the Saints uh, and the Panthers. So, yes, they will be paying attention, Desmond, but I think you're going to get more of a steady flow of the Saints, the best that the Saints can bring to the table and the best that the Packers can bring to the table when they play the Bears. Uh, uh, unlike, like I said before, with before this flex scheduling, uh, if the Panthers played at four and the Packers 
the Saints played at four and the uh, Packers played at one. Well, the Saints would sit there and watch that game and they would know before they took the field whether or not they want to play their starters because it's all about resting, as mm -hmm. we know. So this flex scheduling allows the fans and the teams to go out there and play an honest uh, football game. You know, and I kind of like the idea of um, adding that seventh team to the NFC and AFC because it, it made this final week so much more important because if it was the regular format, the one seed and the two seed on both sides are both getting by. So more than likely, uh, the, the Packers and the Saints are probably resting starters this week. Um, although Seattle has a chance to actually sneak in and get the one seed, depending on how things play out uh, on Sunday. If I'm not mistaken, if Green Bay loses and the Saints lose and Seattle wins, then Seattle would be the, the one seed. If exactly. the Packers win, then they're just the one seed outright. Like all the Packers have to do is win and yeah, they're exactly. the one seed. And, uh, see, that's the thing, and see, that's the thing that you're going to get. You the, 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 the Saints, they know that they have an opportunity. Now the Packers could go up and play the Bears. And again, anytime you plan your rivalry, it's like playing your brother. I don't care if your brother has one wounded leg and the other one in a sling, uh, <laughs> arm and sling you know you're going to get his best and anything can happen. So that's just the fact that they know each other. Uh, so I think the Packers can't think, okay, it's a walk in the park with the Bears because if you think about it, the Bears have been playing pretty good offense uh, mm -hmm. of lately. So, uh, you know, they got a pretty good defense. So the Packers just can't walk in there and say, we are going to win this game. Uh, if they play their best, they should, but they just can't walk in there saying, hey, we are the Packers, the mighty, mighty Packers, and Bears, y'all bow down. I don't think the Bears are going to go like that. So that's going to make the Saints say, hey, let's go out here and let's bring it to the Panthers and give them our best because we don't know what will happen. We could end up being the number one seed. Plus, it's a divisional rival at that, and you've got connections all over the place. Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, was former formerly worked on Sean Payton's staff in New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater was the backup quarterback in New Orleans last year, led him to uh, five wins while Drew Brees was out injured. Um, so there's there's connections all over the place, and it's not like the Panthers and Saints are exactly you know good friends. Like the, you know these players don't like each other, <laughs> you know, in yeah. terms of uh, a divisional rival. So it would be nothing. There would be nothing better of a Christmas present for Carolina Panther fans than to deliver the Saints a loss that would kick them out of the one seed in the NFC, and it'd be at the hands of of this Panther team had uh, led by you know first year head coach Matt Rule and company. So there's a lot on the line this Sunday, a lot of, uh, to look forward to. Even though the Panthers are out of the playoff picture, they can affect the playoff picture in the NFC uh, a lot uh, with a win on Sunday. But uh, let's real quick recap uh, the Panthers' win, the fifth win of the season over the Washington football team this past Sunday. I'll kick it back to you here, uh, Ty. What was one of the uh, bigger takeaways that you took from uh, the 20-13 victory by the Panthers? Bottom line, I think the Panthers beat a team that they were supposed to beat. You know, that's the thing about the NFL. You got to win the games that you are supposed to win. And I think uh, overall the Panthers um, – are better than the Redskins. Uh, there I go right there. Uh, the Washington football team. I know, it's so hard. <laughs> uh, the Washington football team. You know, you're so used to calling the team by their, uh, you know, the, the team nickname. So mm -hmm. uh, 
but the, the Washington football team, the Panthers were better than the Washington football team. And uh, they went out and they showed it in the first quarter, even though uh, the special team showed up and got that first score. But they did what they were supposed to do. They beat a team that they were supposed to beat. And that's where I start. They beat a team that they were supposed to beat. Um, I, I would agree with that, even though the Redskins are, you know, fighting, they're fighting for uh, first place in the NFC East. Whoever wins that division will have a losing record um, at the end of the day on Sunday. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a total mess. They shouldn't have no team for the NFC East in the playoffs. Man. They're going to host a playoff game. Whatever team wins this, because they'll be the division winner, whether it's the Giants, the Cowboys, or the Washington football team. Whoever wins this division on Sunday, and all those games got flexed as well, so that if I'm not mistaken, I think the Dallas game is at one. Uh, they play each other. I, I think Dallas plays the Giants, and Washington plays the Eagles, or something. I can't remember some combination of those four NFC East teams playing each other the last week of the season. And uh, yeah, whoever wins is going to have a losing record, whether it's seven and nine or six and ten or whatever it may be. And they're going to host the playoff game uh, wild card weekend. So go figure. But uh, backtracking just a little bit, we were talking about uh, the Bears and what they might be able to do at Green Bay. The Bears are still in the hunt in the NFC playoff picture. Uh, they're eight and seven. They're second in the NFC North, and they basically have to beat the Packers and a couple other things have to happen uh, for them to get in to squeeze into that seventh spot. But the Bears have something to play for as well. So there's there's stuff all over the place here on Sunday that we need to keep an eye on, uh, and we won't have any idea what the seating's going to be until the end of the night. Uh, the the main thing I took away from the game on Sunday, Phil Stowe's defense is starting to buy in, and and by that, if you go back to uh, what at the time I thought was the best win of the season for the Panthers, the twenty to zero uh, shutout of Detroit. Since Week Eleven's shutout in Detroit, check these numbers out. Carolina's defense ranks fifth in points allowed, sixth in turnover differential. 10th in defensive third down conversions allowed at only 39.1%. And you know, Todd, me and you, we, we've pretty much, it's been a running theme every week, really, until about three or four weeks ago, where these Panthers just couldn't get off the field, especially on third down. It just felt like whoever it was on the other side was going to convert a third down and just keep them out there moving chains. Something over the past couple of weeks has changed, and the Panther defense is starting to play a little bit looser a little bit more aggressive. It seems like they're not worrying so much about thinking about where they're supposed to be and they're just playing, which uh, is a noticeable difference when you're watching the product on TV. They, they, they seem like they've kind of figured out a little bit of what they want to be uh, identity-wise. And we've talked about that too, You know, trying to figure out what's the identity of this team. Uh, if you take the last, the second half of the Green Bay game and the first half of the Washington game, and that's about probably the, the the best the Panthers have played on defense this entire season. And you got to look at who they were playing. I mean, they shut down Aaron Rodgers in the number one offense in the league two weeks ago in the second half. And that carried over into this Washington game. Four turnovers uh, basically was the final straw, the nail in the coffin in Dwayne Haskins' career in Washington. My man was cut like the next day after his performance uh, versus the Panthers on Sunday. Granted, there were some other things that go into that, but that was the last thing that we <laughs> that we saw him do uh, that cost him his job. And uh, I, I'm just really impressed. I, I know Phil Snow was underneath a lot of pressure. He's basically learning the NFL way 
as the players are, no OTAs, no training camp, shortened preseason. They didn't even get a chance to see the players face-to-face until like August. And you're talking about a brand new regime fresh out of college trying to adapt to an NFL system. And for these guys to have not quit, continue to play every week, and to really buy into what Matt Rule has been preaching in his post-game press conferences and during the week about trying to build a winning culture, and I'm starting to see it. You know, it feels good to start to see some of that hard work and those close games that they would lose and lose and lose. It feels like maybe they're starting to turn a corner in terms of what they may be going forward. Yeah, and another thing I take from the game, the fact that I know you talk about offense and defense, defense field snow. Still, the fact they gave up uh, 386 yards total offense. Uh, you know, it's, I, I just think when you're playing against a, a quarterback that basically is not living up to uh, the hype, uh, you know, you should dominate. Uh, again, you take away that special team touchdown, you know, maybe the Panthers win by one point. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still I think there are some things that need to be fixed on offense and defense. Uh, you look at the, the Panthers' total passing yards, you know, 167, uh, 113 uh, yards rushing. You know, Curtis Samuel, you know, he was running the ball and uh, catching the ball a little bit. So, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of pieces that they're going to go into this offseason uh, looking at. And, um, you know, if you're going to get into the playoffs, uh, myself, um, I thank God that most of my career I've been in the playoffs and had an opportunity to, to come away twice uh, on top. Uh, this is not going to cut it. And I'm pretty sure uh, Coach Rule knows that. Uh, Joe Brady knows that. And Phil Snow knows that. And, you know, everyone that is on the team right now knows that they may not be back next year. And there are going to be some new faces that are going to come into Carolina. But, um, again, a win is a win. They're hard to come by in the NFL. And uh, they got the W and gives them opportunity to hopefully end the season on a two-game, um, you know, winning streak. Curtis Samuel had a career day from scrimmage versus Washington, uh, career highs in rushing and receiving yards. He's pretty much become a Swiss Army knife of sorts in Joe Brady's offense. He can line up at uh, running back. He can line up at wide receiver. He can go to the slot. He's kind of like an old school flanker type of position in this in this offense. You know, you have to really account for him. You don't really know what he's going to do in this offense. And a lot of that's because of the absence of Christian McCaffrey. Um, And we'll get into McCaffrey here in just a bit uh, in the Panthers news section. But uh, going back to uh, that building a winning culture, uh, I I noticed a lot of fans, and I've talked about this with you, I I like to do as an experiment, because there's other things I do outside of this Panther podcast uh, on the radio, where I like to go on Facebook after games uh, when a team may have lost and just see the emotional reaction from fans, just the, the, the knee-jerk reaction of what just happened. And I, I noticed that a lot of fans were upset that the Panthers actually won this game because it knocked them out of a potential top three draft pick. And that is a bone that I want to pick with, with some of the Panther, uh, Panther fan base. And I'm sure you can probably relate to this, Ty, in terms of how wrong the, this mentality is. The NFL is one of the few – well, it's really one of the only sports where – you can't really tank and expect to get a sure thing. Like the the draft is just so wide open with so many players and so many what ifs. You can't you can't put your entire franchise on 
like a, a process like the Philadelphia 76ers. Like basketball is different. There's 12 guys, 16 guys on the team. You you draft one generational player that everyone's agreeing, like Shaq or someone, Tim Duncan, you can change a franchise for 20 years with one guy. You get two guys, you can be a championship contender. That's not the case in the NFL. You're not a championship contender because of two guys, one guy, a top 10 pick. And to play to lose, which it sounded like many Panther fans were suggesting they should have done against this Washington football team, I don't even know how to do that. And to cost them a top three uh, draft pick, it reminds me of the Miami Dolphins from last year. If you remember, Ty, last year, at the beginning of the year, people thought Miami was trying to tank for Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama, the quarterback. And they were losing games at the beginning of the year. Then they started winning some games. And their fans started going, hey, what are you doing? You're not supposed to win. This is the worst tank job ever. And it all led up to a regular season finale against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in Foxborough. The, the Dolphins had won four games. They had, never, they had not beaten Tom Brady in Foxborough. If he was starting the game at home over the past 17 seasons, the Dolphins had lost that game. And the Dolphins went up to Foxborough last year, beat the, Bra- beat the Brady-led Patriots in the regular season finale. And in hindsight, looking back on it, that might have been the, the beginning of the end of the Brady-Patriot dynasty that we had seen for 20 years was that win by that Dolphins team. And now look at them. They catapulted that off into a 10-win season the following year. They still got two attack of Vailoa. They, they got him at six. He dropped down to them. So this whole logic of having a tank for a player that you want, the Dolphins got the player they wanted anyway. They've been able to ride a success from the year before by vanquishing an enemy. And now they're, you know, basically about to go to the playoffs. These Panthers, it made me think of these Panthers this year because they're in the exact same situation this weekend against their divisional rival that's been their bully, the New Orleans Saints. If they can come over with a victory against the Saints the same way the Dolphins did last year against the Patriots – I think it sets the the Panthers up to be a contender in this division over the next three or four years. Yeah, I want to say something. You talked about um, you know basketball and the draft and how you can draft one player, and this is for the fans as well. But they got to understand that football is the it's, it's, it's a very 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 different sport. Football is probably the most team oriented sport there is. Yeah. Uh, this is what I mean by that comparing it to basketball. Basketball is more individual. It's individual. Um, yeah, you got five guys out there uh, playing. Okay, I'm going to go back to Chicago Bulls. I think, you know, Michael Jordan, Scotty, mm-hmm. you know, those guys, you know, you can go with the Lakers too, or Magic Johnson and Cooper and, you know, or Shaq and Kobe, however you want to say it. Um, God rest Kobe's spirit. Um, right. But when. The only time a team is involved is when I'm saying towards the end of the game, right? They say the team won the game, but really the individual won the game. The only team part that comes in is when they inbound the ball. You got to have somebody to throw it in. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Scott couldn't throw the ball in to himself. Right. <laughs> they threw it in for him. After that, you even heard Scottie Pippen say it on the, uh, you know, the uh, show, The Last Dance. Yes. We just throw throw the ball in, give it to Michael, and just get out the way. Get the hell out of the way. <laughs> that's what you can do that in basketball. So you can go get that franchise <laughs> player. Hey, get the ball to him, and everybody get out the way. 
football, you can't do that. You can't say, okay, snap the ball, offensive line, get out the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you, you need more than one player. And a first-round draft pick is not guaranteed to bring your team, your franchise success. Yes, it may bring money, you know, from a marketing standpoint, uh, but victories, wins, Super Bowls, no. Sometimes those players who teams have given up on, when you have a great coach who can go out and bring in that mixture, that is how you win championships. And this is without end with this, how you win championships. If the Panthers want to win, Coach Rule want these Panthers to be the best next year. I've learned the acronym SOOT. You got to get guys on that football team. You got to get the owner. You got to get the coaches. You got to get everybody all the way down to the custodians to believe in this acronym SOOT. Everybody got to speak the same language, understand the same way, and think the same way. So if you could put that formula into play, you can win championships. It's not about trying to get draft position. How many times have we seen a lot of busts? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we we lost games and now we got the first overall draft pick. And you know what? And that draft pick is gone uh, after three years. Look at uh, 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 Haskins. You know, mm-hmm. Haskins is gone. You know, so again, it's all about finding a team that understands they speak the same language, understand the same way, and think the same way. That's how you win championships. You know, the it, it bothers me when I see Panther fans talk in that manner because it's almost like it's like a mentality of we need to lose a couple years and build up some talent and then we'll be good. That's not how you build good teams. Like you still have to have the you have to learn how to win and you can't learn how to win if you're if you're constantly put in situations meant for you to lose just to get high draft picks. Like it just it drives me crazy this mentality of tanking, especially in the NFL where it's been proven over and over and over again the best teams they don't play for draft position. Like the best teams have scouts, they have talent evaluators. They can get talent in the third round, fourth round, fifth round. There's talent all over the place. You just gotta have the right people in place to be able to go get it. The Pittsburgh Steelers, perfect example. This is a team that literally, it feels like every five or six years, they will have a number one wide receiver and he goes off to free agency or, or retirement or whatever may happen. And just another third or fourth round wide receiver emerges from we never really heard of him before, but he's been on the roster and he becomes the number one wide receiver. Well, I mean, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown wasn't a top 10 first round pick. You know, he was a mid round guy and developed, uh, you know, there he leaves. Who becomes the number one receiver? Juju Smith Schuster. He's not a he's not a top 10 draft pick. The Steelers didn't have to bottom out to get this talent there. If you believe in what you're doing. You don't have to worry about that type of thing. And the Panthers, they're on the right track. I like what I'm seeing from them. I don't think anyone really truly expected this Panther team to have a chance to win six games. I thought maybe they could with McCaffrey, but McCaffrey's played like two and a half games this year. So for them to have a chance to win six games in a season that's been marred by COVID without their best overall player for pretty much three-fourths of the season – is remarkable to me that they've been able to do this and and i think it's 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 great for the future of the franchise and i wouldn't worry too much about you know the difference between pick number three and pick number uh i think they're at six right now depending on what happens on sunday they may drop to the bottom of the top 10 or outside of it but again that doesn't matter you know if you know what you need and you're able to go get it 
doesn't matter where the pick is. You can figure that out. Our best draft pick possibly last season was Jeremy Chin. He was picked in the second round, and we had to trade up to go get him because of what we liked on film and what we saw. So, I mean, there's talent everywhere. So for, for the Panther fans out there that think that the Panthers are screwing themselves over by winning football games, understand, please, that you can't build a winning franchise without first learning how to win games. <laughs> and you have to win these games that they had been losing, these close one-possession games. you got to learn how to win those. And they finally won a one-possession game this past Sunday uh, against the Washington football team. Um, I just thought it was it was pretty eerie, the similarities between last year's Miami Dolphins team and this year's Panther team. Um, there's not a Tua Tagovailoa waiting for them in the draft, I don't believe, but uh, we'll see how they kind of set this up here as they go into this season, into the off season here, and hopefully it'll be a little bit more open uh, for the media as hopefully we get COVID uh, under control. Let's uh, real quick in the Panther news, and then we'll uh, quickly get to the Saints-Panthers preview here. Uh, you're listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with uh, myself, Desmond Johnson, and uh, my co-host, two-time Super Bowl winner Tyrone Poole. Panthers news this week uh, coming out of Bank of America Stadium. No fans will be allowed for the regular season finale versus the Saints at Bank of America Stadium. The attendance will be limited to uh, a max of 1,500. Basically, families and friends of the Panthers and Saints and limited private suits uh, suites are going to be available uh, due to a large rise in COVID uh, cases in Mecklenburg County and the state of North Carolina as a whole. Uh, before the state had allowed up to 7% capacity in BOA, which was about 5,200 people. Uh, the, the, the team got a waiver from the state to increase that a little bit, at which they had planned to do in November. But the case count has just gotten so high that uh, through county officials and everyone else, the decision was made to not have fans for this final game uh, for Week 17. Running back Christian McCaffrey has been ruled out of Sunday's game versus the Saints. Uh, he has struggled with injuries all season. He had ankle and shoulder injuries. He was actually prepping to return in week 14 when he injured his thigh. Uh, he finishes the season with 59 rushing attempts for 225 yards, five touchdowns on the ground, 17 receptions and 149 yards, and a touchdown in the air. Man, I, I kind of forgot that my man scored six touchdowns in basically two and a half games <laughs> while we had him out there. So uh, for those that think maybe they paid Christian McCaffrey too early, the proof is kind of in the pudding. He's the best player on the roster, and hopefully he'll get well, and we'll have him for uh, the 2021 campaign where I think this Panther team can really make some noise. Uh, meanwhile, going back to the backfield in Carolina, Mike Davis was in a walking boot on Wednesday at practice. Uh, an ankle injury he suffered in the Washington game. Head coach Matt Rule said he does not expect Mike Davis to play, leaving the Panthers very, very thin in their backfield at the running back position uh, going into Sunday's game against the Saints. Left tackle Russell Okun has also been ruled out for Sunday as well. Saints versus Panthers, 425 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Panthers come into the game 5-10. and 10. The Saints are 11-4. and four. A New Orleans win with a Packers loss and a Seahawks win creates a three-way tie for first. The Saints would win the tiebreaker. Um, if the Packers and the Saints both lose and the Seahawks win, the Seahawks would be the one seed. If the, Pan the Packers win, it doesn't matter what the other two teams do. If the Packers win, they will be the one seed in the NFC. So there's uh, multiple games being affected uh, for playoff seeding going into Sunday. Um the main thing that I uh, that I would say, Ty, in terms of what the Panthers need to do to, to have a chance in this game, 
uh, on the defensive side, they need to know where Alvin Kamara is at all times. Uh, this dude is a problem. He tied an NFL record last week with six rushing touchdowns versus the Vikings. He's basically uh, Christian McCaffrey's twin. Uh, they basically are the same player. They do the same things, catch out of the backfield, can rush for over 1,000. They're, they're just good players. Not put McCaffrey and Kamara as one and 1A one in terms of top running backs in the league, Saquon Barkley and Derek, uh, Derek Henry, of course. But Kamara's up there, and – for uh, for me, one of the top things would be you just got to stop him from seeing the end zone. Maybe maybe use Jeremy Chin as like a spy during the game, kind of like the way they used to use Thomas Davis to spy on Mike Vick when uh, both of them were in the NFC South. But that would be my first thing would be to stop Alvin Kamara. Well, I think uh, you're correct on that. Uh, you know, you got to stop what's the best on their offense. Um, Kamara, Drew Brees. You know, the receiver core, the patterns, which they run pretty much similar offense. So uh, this is something that the Panther defense probably have seen uh, all year out of their offense. You know, they're both inside route running team, crossing routes and, you know, trying to dump it to the running back. So the Panthers defense should be very, um, you know, very. A good be a very formidable opponent for this offense of the Saints and understanding how it uh, uh, operates. But I think what the Panthers are going to have to do is match the uh, energy level of the Saints. Uh, If I am the Saints, if I am the head coach, Sean Payton, I'm going to come out and I'm going to try to put points up on the board. Okay. And through that, hopefully, like we talked about earlier, Go into halftime, kind of see where everything is with the Packers. If it looked like the Packers are are winning and they're going to win the game, then, hey, you know what? Maybe we kind of relax in the third quarter, let some of these other guys get in there and play. Or, you know what? The Saints may say, forget it. You know, we know who we are. We know how great we are. And Drew Brees, Kamara, none of you guys are going to play. We will take either the – the second or the third seed, and we will roll with it because we know how good we are. Uh, of course, nobody wants to go to Lambeau in January, so no. I don't think so. I I know the Saints <laughs> are a dome team, so believe me, trust me, people. You don't want to go play Green Bay in Lambeau in Wisconsin in January. It is cold, okay? Cold. Yeah, bone chilling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So um, I think matching the intensity of the Saints is going to be one of the keys that I'm going to look for is to see how the Panthers come out on those first couple of drives, offensively, defensively, uh, defensively. They try to be aggressive and we're going to win this game offensively. Are the Panthers coming out trying to set the tone? We're going to win this game. Or are they coming out saying, okay, hey, guys, you know, we're just going to put our gloves up and we're going to box a little bit. We're going to dance a little bit. We're going to rope a dope for a little bit just to get through this round, to get through this game so we can try to, you know, keep our guys healthy and prepare for 2021. So uh, I think the energy level is going to be the key on kickoff to the first snap of the ball. And that's going to tell me a lot about the strategy of the Panthers and uh, if they have an opportunity to be victorious. Yeah, and I think that the the juices will start flowing between these two teams while 
uh, a lot of there's a lot of new faces on Panthers side. Uh, uh, again, there's some connections between these two teams. Teddy Bridgewater was the backup quarterback for Drew Brees for a couple of seasons and actually started one five games for the Saints last year before coming to Carolina. And Joe Brady was the uh, on the offensive coordinator staff under uh, Sean Payton at uh, New Orleans before he went to LSU and helped them win a national championship last year with their high-profile offense. So there's some connections between these two teams, and I would imagine that uh, you know, Joe is going to go into this game looking forward to matching his offense up against the Saints defense, who is no, they are no joke. The Saints defense, one of the best in the league, they are actually um, top five uh, against the run and against the pass. So we definitely should uh, be aware of the fact that the Saints defense comes uh, to play their eighth and points allowed uh, on the season. We will not have Christian McCaffrey. We will not have Mike Davis uh, in this game. So I I expect a heavy dose of Curtis Samuel, uh, basically a continuation of last week where he just peppered all over the field, rushing game, passing game, wherever you can get him in a situation to uh, to succeed. Uh, This game, it's going to come down to Teddy, to be honest. Teddy Bridgewater is going to determine whether or not the Panthers can win this game. And his, his, his overall game has fallen off the past month or so more so his pocket awareness, which is alarming. His pocket awareness, especially last Sunday against Washington, uh, granted he's got Chase Young chasing after him, who will probably win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Having said that, he should be aware that Chase Young is chasing him (laughs) and make sure that he doesn't, uh, you know, take sacks and things of that sort, which he was, you know, still doing last week. We talked about the passing yards at like 160. That's not going to cut it against this Saints team. Uh, the Panthers only they lost in kind of a shootout the last time they saw each other. I would expect the Panthers to try to get into a shootout type thing again with the Saints. It feels like they've always been in those types of games with the Saints, no matter the personnel. Uh, they will probably need to um, keep the Saints offense off the field. Although I will say I'm still kind of up in the air about uh, the the health of Drew Brees. Um, he played. He's played the past two weeks. Seems like he's okay, but I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that the dude had eleven cracked ribs and a punctured lung a month ago, and now he's back out there uh, and is forty-two years old. So if there if there is a weakness, as strange as it may sound, if there is a weakness on the Saints' offense, it might be at the quarterback position at Drew Brees. If you can, you know, as the kids say, put some hands on him then you might be able to affect the the overall offense and take Kamara and some of these other weapons they have out of the uh, out of the equation completely. But that would be, for me, cause turnovers, create pressure. Defense just needs to keep doing what they've been doing since the Detroit game. Uh, you know, I can stand back and just say, hey, let these dudes go. Let them do what they're going to do. Let Brian Burns loose. Uh, let Derek Brown loose. Let Jeremy Chin roam the field. Just let them play. Let them do what they've been doing. And this will be a good test to see where this Panther defense is at the end of the year as opposed to where they were at the beginning of 2020. Yeah, and again, you know, we're talking about, well, we all know the Panther season is done, won, and as Don Meredith, Don Meredith would say, the party's over. But <laughs> also, you know, this is a great opportunity just to mix it up a little bit. You know, mix it up. Get some of those guys who, you know, you're. There's a question mark about them. Mm-hmm. Give them some opportunity. You know, you got, uh, you know, uh, opportunity to see what they can do. So, 
you got to make an evaluation on them after the season. But if you don't have no film work, then how can you get a, get a true evaluation? And uh, it sounds like I'm saying, okay, they should throw it in the tank. But no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, we still going to play hard because anybody that steps on that field, it's like the next man up. Okay, you got to give your best effort. But if you're trying to build a winning culture, they're going to have to release. They're going to have to release some guys. They're going to have to bring on some guys. OK, so why not give this an opportunity to let some of these guys who really haven't had too much uh, play during the season that you really thought maybe they should have been starting at this time or, you like I said, the question mark is on them. Give them an opportunity to get out there and play. Let them play so we can evaluate them and then see what the roster, if they are worthy to coming back next year to be on this roster. And like you mentioned with the Dolphins, how they turned it around. Well, I believe they turned it around because they were making evaluations on the players. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're not going to the playoffs, okay? And I'm not saying we're going to tank it. No, but what I am saying, this is an opportunity to do inventory. Let's do inventory. Let's get in this closet and let's go through this attic and let's see what we want. <laughs> do some spring cleaning and see what we want to keep and what we want to put in the yard sale, as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And uh, owner David Tepper, uh, Panthers owner David Tepper, kind of echoed those same sentiments that you just laid out there where, you know, he basically said in the press conference he had after uh, letting Marty Herney go last week that, you know, this is an evaluation phase. You know, there 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 is no position that's safe from evaluation on the Panthers team, nor should it be. And uh, I, I would assume they're going to use this opportunity to, you know, get some guys out there that may, you know, not have as many snaps or reps or whatnot, just to kind of see what they have. Um, I definitely would use uh, the two biggest free agents they're going to have question marks for, and we'll talk about this next week in our uh, our season finale. Taylor Moten, the uh, the tackle uh, on the offensive line, who's had a Pro Bowl season. And Curtis Samuel, uh, wide receiver slash running back slash whatever you want to say, both of them are going to be unrestricted free agents going uh, into this offseason and should be a top priority for Carolina. Uh, the question's always been, should they sign Taylor or should they sign Curtis? I'm in the mentality of signing both. Like, you need both these guys. Like, the offensive line is a mess. Moten was really the only bright spot. You can build around him. And uh, in terms of Samuel, you don't have to worry about DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson contract situations for another year or two. So you've got the ability to properly compensate Samuel uh, for the year he's had and put him in a position where uh, he'll be a key cog as a skill player for the Panthers offense for you know years to come. That'll be a decision for the next general manager who uh, we currently do not have. But that'll be one of the bigger decisions that they'll have as soon as they walk through the door here. Uh, again, Panthers versus Saints, 425 kickoff time. This game was originally scheduled for 1 p.m. It has been flexed to the late afternoon uh, slot due to the Saints having an opportunity to win the number one seed with a win and a Packers loss. Um, the the Panthers have actually been in the middle of the playoff uh, race the past couple of weeks. They played the Packers a couple weeks ago. They played the Redskins last week, and they're playing the Saints this week, so they can play uh, play the role of spoiler of sorts by getting him uh, getting a victory here against the Saints on Sunday. Uh, and again, I would say you know it, it never really changes in terms of the game plan to try to beat the Saints. Put hands on Drew Brees, cause some turnovers, keep the offense off the field, and basically convert when you're in the red zone against this fantastic Saints defense. Um, you can't settle for field goals and expect to win 
against a Sean Payton led team, uh, they're going to score touchdowns. That's their goal. And I don't think the Panthers can get by winning this game 17 to 13 or something like that. They're going to have to be able to put points on the board. Yes, I agree, Desmond. So, you know, either way, you know, they're going to play football. We know that. So the game is going to happen. It's just, mm. you know, you just got one team that's um, going to pretty much try to have that first round by, and you got another team that's looking to try to find a good first round draft pick. So um, both of them are playing for some type of first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's going to be a good game. <laughs> uh, real quick before we get out of here, I'm not sure how much college football you watch, but of course the college football playoff will be uh, New Year's Day. Um, yeah. Alabama versus Notre Dame, Clemson versus Ohio State. How did you feel about Ohio State being placed into the college football playoff when they've basically played half the amount of games that the other three teams did? Did you have an opinion on whether or not Ohio State should have been in there, or or do you think that they got it right? Well, you know what? It, it boils down to this. Uh TV viewership, and I look at uh, history, uh, consistency of winning. Ohio State has always, you know, been a winning program, uh, and the playoffs supposed to be about the best of the best. And their program, if you look at all the other colleges, they are one of the top programs. And also they have a big following. So it's all about the numbers at the end of the day. Uh, If you look at the number of games other teams have played, no, Ohio State should not be in there. But if you look at it from a competitive standpoint, you want the best of the best, then yes, Ohio State needs to be in there. Because it's kind of like Muhammad Ali. You know, when Muhammad Ali couldn't fight um, because of his decision not to go into the military, mm-hmm. then people say, hey, Muhammad Ali, he's the people's champ. He, even though the WBC doesn't recognize him as the world champion and Joe Frazier is, that's why Joe Frazier could never really get no credit because people say, hey, if Muhammad Ali had been in there, there's no way in the world Joe Frazier or whoever would have had the title. So I kind of see it like that. You know, you got to have Ohio State in there because we look at history. They have been shown that they are a proven, proven program year in and year out. And the playoffs are supposed to be about the best of the best. I would agree with that. And I think that, honestly, I said this at the beginning of the year, it's all Alabama-Clemson. It doesn't really matter what combo <laughs> what combo ended up making it to the playoff. We were gonna, we were on a collision course of Alabama versus Clemson again. And, honestly, I'm here for it. I, I like seeing the two best teams play each other. I don't care if they play each other four years in a row like Golden State and Cleveland did in the NBA Finals that people started poo-pooing. And I'm saying – why would I want some other teams in this if these are the two top teams and they've got a rivalry going on? I want to see that. And Alabama-Clemson right now, that's probably the best rivalry in college football in terms of the top two Goliaths in the sport. And it, it wouldn't make any sense for me to see any other combination. So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Alabama-Clemson. Uh, I'm dreading if it's Clemson-Notre Dame for a third time. And if Ohio State just ruins this and somehow gets to the <laughs> the national championship as a seven-win team, uh, then that'll be a whole other conversation. But wanted to touch on that before we got out of here. Next week is our season finale. We'll uh, recap the Week 17 matchup against the Saints, and we'll have our end-of-the-year Panther Awards. 
uh, to give out as well. So for my co-host Tyrone Poole, I am Desmond Johnson. You're listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Follow Tyrone at TyronePool38 on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505 on Twitter. And make sure you follow Believe uh, to listen to all of their podcasts at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. We will talk to you next week and keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 